things we do podcast, a podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Natasha Vickery. Hello. Hello. Thank Hello. you for having me. Thank you for coming down all the way from camp. Oh, it's so far. I'd, um, and you're actually here on Easter. It kind of like lined up because originally I was going to go to Canberra and then now... I know. It's like, and then I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm coming <laughs> to Sydney. Because <laughs> of Easter. Because um, yeah. all your family's down here. Well, some of them are. So my <laughs> to put it, yeah. So half of them are in Canberra and half of them are here. So yeah. my dad and my little baby brother, who's seven, um, are here. <laughs> so I thought, what better way to spend Easter than with a kid? And we can do an Easter egg hunt and make. I think we're gonna make like bonnets. Oh, cute! I know. Who? I haven't done that since I was. Seven. <laughs> Who does arts and crafts? Like, can I just say, seven-year-olds have the most imaginative. Right. Like, they they just seem not to care about much other than just making stuff. And well, playing. I didn't expect it from him because he's sort of like a, a YouTuber kid. Um, oh. Yeah. So I'm a as bit. As he makes surprised. his own channel. I think that's his goal, but he's seven, so that hasn't happened yet. He just watches all kinds of YouTube and will sort of say to me, did you know um, these facts about the Titanic? And I'm like, no. He's like, I'm like, where'd you learn this? It's like a YouTube video. <laughs> Cute. That's where he's doing all his learning. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I remember when YouTube was just like five people on the internet and yeah. now it's like a conglomerate power. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, every, it's basically everything. Like, and it's teaching our kids it's teaching. <laughs> who needs school. <laughs> who did? Many people. Please pay the education <laughs> system. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. I, I, I didn't, and I never said that. <laughs> um, it's it's quite interesting because like um, Emily, my partner, is getting, um, wanting to become a teacher. And um, it's, it's one of those things that I think uh, also in hindsight, uh, you know, you can get all this home. You can homeschool. Mm. Like homeschooling is a great like, mm. thing as well. Um, it's just, yeah, there's like a lot of facilities and stuff out there. But I remember back in the day when, you know, you didn't have the internet. I was like, I don't know how people homeschool. Like no. their comprehension of just doing sums and maths and you going to a bookshop and getting those. And I like, have no idea. They'd have to travel to a bookshop and buy a book and travel back. Like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was also like, if you don't understand maths, you're screwed. You're like, screwed. Because you adult. only have your mum to help you. <laughs> To help you with it. What if she's yeah. terrible at that? Yeah, I know. It's like you're as a child, I just like no nah, comprehension is really baffling. <laughs> um but uh, Natasha, when yes. you were <laughs> where did this all begin for you? Because you're an actor, which is first and foremost, but is there any other sort of skills? Like, are you a jack of all trades and other skills? Oh, not of all trades, just a jack of some trades, maybe. Yeah. I've actually recently found myself um in marketing. Um, right. Yeah. Um, which is why I'm at Canberra Theatre Centre at the moment. So that was a complete fluke. Yeah. I moved to Canberra at the beginning of last year, so beginning of 2021, mm-hmm. and I was doing a show at the Q, which is a regional theatre in Queenbeyan. Yeah. Um, as an actor, so I was in a show. Um, and I just thought, you know what? I'm not going back to Sydney. I'm staying. Yeah. It was still the you know, the middle of COVID. Um, so it's not like there was heaps going on in Sydney. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sydney was a ghost town during those periods. It kind of was. So I thought, well, I've got family here. Yeah. Um, there's actually surprisingly a lot of sort of independent theatre going on there as well. Yeah. Um, so I thought, oh, I'm going to stay. Um, and then the queue needed somebody to um, fill in for their marketing uh, officer wow. for only a short period of time because they just, it's government and it takes ages to 
yeah. hire someone new. Um, and I ended up staying and doing that. And then I moved on to Camper Theatre Centre only about a month ago. Wow. Um, yeah, doing publicity and, and social media there. So, yeah. That's insane. It's really great. It's um, it's a nice way to actually uh, make money in the arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and still stay within theatre. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it feels like one of the best things that could have happened. Yeah. Because theatre is your primary love. Uh, like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because were you were you ever interested in getting into film and, and TV? Oh, yeah. No, I always have been. It's just I, I kind of uh, grew up in the theatre in a way. Mm. Um, my mum taught at NIDA for years wow. and years. Yeah. She, um, she went there in the 80s. She was an actor there in the 80s. Um, and then she came back as a tutor um, doing history of theatre. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, um, I grew up in Kensington and I remember just visiting there all the time. And yeah. when I was really little and it was school holidays, she'd bring us into lectures and we'd be very distracting. We'd distract the students all the time and <laughs> <laughs> crawl between our legs and do horrendous things while she was trying to lecture. Oh my God. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I kind of, yeah, in a sense, kind of grew up there and, yeah. and you know, um, loved watching the students yeah. um, in shows. And, and I just thought to myself, I want to do I always knew it was what I wanted to do I don't remember a a moment like a spark where I went that yes that's yeah. what I want to do it was just always there yeah if that makes sense yeah that's I think that's kind of like the best way as a kid I like so. yeah <laughs> I all I remember is watching tv and just going I want to do something in that yeah like and just I I didn't know what it was I didn't know what I wanted to just do something. just something Anything. and it and ended up being like jack of all trades just loving a bunch of different things yay um but you, like did you did it kind of like when did you feel like it became a reality for you when did it kind of feel like less of a just a dream or mm. like in part of just a family thing well look to be perfectly honest it still feels like kind of a dream <laughs> <laughs> because it's you know it's working in the arts is is difficult and jobs don't yeah. come by very often um but it started becoming a little bit more realistic I suppose when I left school I was auditioning for some professional mm. tv and film gigs occasionally when I was at school um and then I graduated and I thought oh okay now's the time for drama schools um and I thought to myself I don't feel I don't feel ready I actually don't feel ready for it mm. but I'm gonna audition anyway and I auditioned for music theater actually wow. at NIDA um and you know it got fairly far I was quite happy with myself but I wasn't ready I was too young mm. um some people aren't too young at that age but I was um and so Tony Knight who was the head of acting there at the time took me aside and went we want you to come back but you're just too young right now and I went okay that's fine um so I went to Sydney Uni um, wow, okay. Yeah, I went to Sydney Uni and um and I studied arts. Haha, <laughs> surprise surprise. Um uh, art history and film studies and had a ball there at Suds. Yep. Um the Sydney University Dramatic Society for anyone who doesn't know. Um They're they're very fun. They're very fun and it's just such a great opportunity to do risky stuff and yeah. um direct and and kind of experience all all sides of theater, whether it's on the stage or directing or writing or, yeah. you know, tech, whatever it is. It was really, really fun um, for a few years there. 
And then I finished Sydney Uni and went, okay, here we go again. Here come the drama schools. Um, and I auditioned for NIDA and WAPA, um, knowing I, I really wanted to get into WAPA mm. um, just because of what I'd, what I'd heard and how fantastic they were. And I yeah. got in and it was so much fun. Because <laughs> WAPA is like one of those places that it is kind of renowned mm. as well. It's very interesting as well because I feel it's interesting that you say all this because the arts is hard and it doesn't matter yeah. where you necessarily where you go to school. It's still hard. Oh yeah. Cause there's all these credentials of you gone, you gone here and you gone here, but yes. you all kind of end up at the same point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, once you graduate, what I realized is that, you know, Whopper was fantastic for my skill set, mm. but yeah, you kind of all start on the same page anyway, no matter yeah. if you've come through drama school, if you've just entered the industry without training mm. um, or training in a different way or, you know, whatever your journey is, um, we do kind of all start on the same page. And yeah. so I, I, I'm so glad I trained because I wanted to do that. That was something I wanted for my own yeah. growth as an artist. Um, so yeah, it was some of the best times and- <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> you think I just think the stories, the stories. <laughs> what was that? I, okay. I mean, I want to hear some of these stories. Oh I mean, god, like, now I have to think of the stories. Um, what was the most like? Did you ever feel like because I know when you're an actor and when you're in drama school or when you do theatre, there's there's this thing of one of my friends has always said, which is the the um, the dating scene or the the the, 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 the <laughs> what seems to happen in drama schools because oh, yeah. we we're very <laughs> like as a performer or as an actor you wear your heart on your sleeve absolutely it's horrendous and you're it's, at that age I think yeah I mean I'm massively generalizing it's not the same for everybody <laughs> obviously but I think for a lot of us we're at that age I was 22 when I started um, there were a lot of people who were younger than me 18. And up, yeah. um, not very many who were older than me. So it's around that sort of early twenties time, and I think everyone's just rearing to fall in love. They're like, "Give it to me!" <laughs> yeah, they're all just like, "Oh, romance!" Yes, um, passion, love. Oh, passion um, for sure. If you're an actor, passion uh, oh, <laughs> so important. Um, but it, I mean, like, did you ever feel like you had any scandalous or like or dark stories when you were at drama school? <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm trying to think and also not throw anyone under the bus the <laughs> you don't have to time. name names no i won't name names um oh look it was just that classic thing um of this person's going out with this person oh that's ended because this person slept with this person and <laughs> oh god <laughs> it was just that kind of thing um and it, you know the goss was sometimes you go oh that's so childish and then you'd find yourself <laughs> in the same <laughs> in the same either in the same situation or talking about it <laughs> and oh. enjoying talking isn't that the worst? That's almost my favorite thing is to love talking about like juicy goss. Oh, yeah. There it's, was so much juicy goss all the time. Yeah. It's like, why? <laughs> and there was kind of a hierarchy too, I suppose, yes. which was really, you know, oh, this third year is going up this first year. Ooh. You know, there was that. Isn't that the weirdest thing when you think about it and you just go, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, they're, they're in different years. Why are they dating? Like, well, I went out with a second year and that was like... You know, what, were you impressive. in first year? I was. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. It kind of gets you some some street cred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it like, especially what, yeah, I think where they are in the hierarchy of their year yeah. as well. Yes. And you're like, oh, if they're at the top, well. <laughs> <laughs> was he at the, he was just comfortably in the middle, I think. He was one of those guys. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. 
but that was I was kind of cool for that I think well I like to think <laughs> anyone who listens to this who went were like what are you talking about they were just like Natasha you weren't cool. you weren't cool at all <laughs> no one thought that I think it's like what I imagine is just like my, my younger self as being cool and I'm like I wasn't no not at all I was never cool I, but that's okay I've accepted this now and I've accepted totally. my uncoolness mm, mm, mm. It's, it I think it's kind of cool to be uncool as well yeah it's like um I think it's also the realization it's like whenever I watch those behind the scenes of any sort of Netflix shows or any sort of like mm. teen drama shows, everyone tries to sort of be like this cool actor. Yes. I'm like, none of you are cool. No. Like behind the scenes. You're an you're actor. A, you're of an course actor. you're not cool. <laughs> and good. <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's the thing you did in playgrounds. Like yes. that's how I remember acting as a kid was yes. the playground stuff. You'd imagine something and all your friends would do the same and you'd play around and that was, that's what acting Yes, I remember. Became. When I was, oh God, it was probably eight or nine or something. There were phases we went through. I went to an all girls school and we went through a phase where we were all horses. We all pretended to be horses. <laughs> and I think at the time it was like the most normal thing in the world. And now I look back and I'm like, we were running around neighing and like trotting. And I love that. And I also think it's bizarre. But yeah, it's I, just I, so funny. I I remember once for years there was this there was this show in the nineties called um oh what was it called? It had a wormhole in it. Life of me, I can't remember the name. Mm. Um A wormhole. Oh, yeah, it was about these characters who could open a wormhole and jump from different dimensions to different it was very like <gasps> it was on cable uh, it was on commercial channels and I remember mm-hmm. finding it and my friends and I were watching it and we thought this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so we grabbed a piece of bark. And started pretending it was the remote so we could travel to other worlds. And and we all loved it. And I think I knew that I wanted to be a performer because I got to the certain age where I was like, I still want to do this stuff. Yep. um, But no one else does. Like none of my friends are into performing. Yeah. They're more into science or they're getting into other things. Mm -hmm, And I was mm -hmm. just like, no, I have to. Yeah. It's like we stay a child. Yeah. In a way, our whole lives. And I sometimes look at, I don't know if this is because I'm an actor, but I sometimes look at people I've known for decades on social media and they're hitting those milestones, those adult milestones like marriage and babies. And and I'm here pretending to be other people for a living. And I'm like, hmm. I think it's also like, um, yeah, the moment I turned, you know, I turned 30 recently and I was like, oh, you know. Woo, I'm I'm 30. I'm going to be 30 this year. Yeah, I like, you know my pain. I understand. <laughs> like, I understand. And then I was like, yeah, adulthood. <laughs> mm. Why do I still feel the same like I'm 20 yes. or 10? Like, it's just that level of excitement and silliness that just doesn't throw away. And you know what? I think everybody feels like that ultimately. You yeah. don't actually feel like they're an adult ever. I no. Mean, I, I don't. <laughs> Definitely no. don't. I actually hate paying taxes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, but also, you know, maybe we should keep paying taxes because it's it's good for us. But oh yeah, if you know, <laughs> <But> no- <laughs> I had this conversation with my mom recently, and I uh, I I loved it because it was like she just she basically said to me she was like if I could funnel my taxes into things that I wanted to funnel yes. in, I'd be it would go to hospitals, schools, and roads. 
Perfect. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'd 100% agree with that because it's just and you. And the arts. And the arts. <laughs> for me. <laughs> for me, it would be the arts. It'd be hospitals, yep. um, public sector, and, um, and and just making sure it's available for everyone. Absolutely. And the same as schools, like just mm-hmm. making sure they've got enough funding. More public schools than private schools. Yes. Cause, What's that about? Well, this is the thing. I, I think, you know, because private education is great. It's selective education is great, but the reason it costs so much is it's mm. funded by government. Well, it's not funded by the government, but it's privatized, and mm. then the, the government, you know, pointed it and go, "This is where we studied, and this is where you know." Yeah. Like, a lot of politicians yeah. have ended up studying at these private schools. Yes, and, and the cycle continues. <laughs> and I know, and it's sort of just the the effect that it, the matter is that the public system is just as good mm. and it just depends on the individual and how much yes. they're keen yes um and i think it's a shame because you know we live in this uh especially at the government at the moment which i think uh needs to boot out because it doesn't support the arts one mm, iota mm, mm. and it was really apparent during the pandemic and stuff because um a lot of you know artists like ourselves yes were kind of struggling to get by absolutely um and really hard yeah so i I feel like you know we've got and also kind of add up to everything is like the housing prices the rental prices and everything renting prices had dropped Mm -hmm. they had dropped Mm, they had actually Um, yeah so there was an advantage there but if you were a homeowner or a home buyer they wouldn't have dropped like there wasn't a huge um, people oh, were just no. buying less. The, yeah, yeah, that was it. It yeah. was because people couldn't afford to buy. So mm-hmm. the the housing market kind of crashed in that regard because mm. no one wanted to buy a house. Mm. And I think there's been this overhaul of our generation, kind of changing our tune of what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Like the the start of 2020, I had a different goal in mind to now. Did what you, was your goal then? I, I think it was like very much just quit tv do something completely different and you know and um like go into film and now it's kind of like the the podcast came out of the covid baby and everything and i think it's just like you know everything kind of happened after then i was like okay well i'm in a job that i'm happy with at the moment um and i'm gonna work hard stay in that for a while and then kind of, yeah, everything kind of just circled around it and I found other things that I loved doing. But I sort of remember mm. the things that I loved doing years ago and I was like, why am I doing those anymore? Like, bring those back. Yes. So there's all this sort of things that I, I realised I loved mm. and, yeah, kind of refunneled my energy well, into that. that's good. That's really um, good. Yeah. So, One positive to come out of the pandemic. <laughs> I know. But, I mean, like, was that the same for you when you – did you refunnel a little – a bit on how you perceived it. A little bit. I, I've gone in a direction that I didn't expect, which is the marketing side of things. Mm. Um, originally, I feel like everybody has this story, but in 2020, <laughs> I was supposed to go overseas. <laughs> Isn't that everyone's story? I, yes. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> everyone says the same thing. We all had plans in the same year. Where were you going to go? Um, London. Ah. I was going to do the two-year working yeah. holiday visa, which I've just heard on the grapevine because I haven't actually checked the facts. <laughs> the age, it used to be capped at 30 and now it's 35. Yes. I hope that's true. Yes, it is true. Excellent. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, that's something I also want to do mm. um, eventually. And, um, like, Emily's family's uh, dad and her dad is Canadian, so it's, like, also the oh, fact that we can go over there and, great. you know, like, you know, as a partial visa and stuff. Yes. So it, it, it creates situations a little easier. But, um, yeah, like, living in London for two oh, years man. would just be... Beautiful. I mean, um, well, and it, I'm so glad I didn't go. I had a friend who had 
um, arrived there uh, to live just before the pandemic and was stuck there yeah. in a tiny flat, you know, not being able to go anywhere, see anything. And it was quite miserable for her. So I'm glad I didn't go. I had my ticket booked. I didn't have my visa arranged, thank goodness. Yeah. Um. So it was quite easy to just reverse it, get my money back. But nice. That's yeah. That was something I wanted to just throw caution to the wind and yeah. just jet off and see what happened. Um. And I I do regret that I wasn't able to do that. Um. Because, you know, I'm I think a lot of the time I'm quite a, I, I like my stability, and so the mm-hmm. fact that I had that urge to just abandon everything and leave. Um, I guess I sort of had it in a way, which is why I came to Canberra. Because they say that Canberra is the London of Australia. So. Yeah, yeah. Do they? Who are these people that just are me, lying? Just me. To, to... Um, no, I just love that it was meant to be London and end up being Canberra. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> Canberra is not a thriving city. No, it's more thriving than ever before, which is great. Yeah, um, it has it has actually peaked in the last year. Absolutely. Um, the one thing is all my fam, my mother's side of the family live up there, so mm-hmm. we I do know Canberra quite well. Um, but one of the things that I always kind of just go is, um, I've been to the Parliament Building and everything. It's like, oh, that's a good, nice, cool attraction. But it is kind of where you feel like all the politicians live, and you're like, I really couldn't yeah. give two shits yeah. like about going. Um, but also, it's kind of a it's a weird city because it's like a city that was kind of surrounded by little town things. Mm. It's kind of like you've got the centre. Like Queenbean, where yeah. I worked at the theatre there. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of like it's it's not Canberra. It's also New South, New South Wales, so it's definitely not Canberra. No. Um, but it is it is a part of it, really, because yeah. it's so close. It's a 20-minute drive, max. Which is nuts. It's nuts. Uh-huh. And it's a whole different state. <laughs> Yeah, you're crossing the border every day and just yes, going, hello. Yes, I was. I was just like, hi. And so during the pandemic, going to work mm. was weird because I needed a pass to get across the border. I needed a permit. Wow. Um, yeah. I never got stopped and asked for the permit, so it was fine. But I, I needed one. It was Did you have to bizarre. pay for that? No, no. It was provided. It was provided by work. It was oh, that's good. Yeah, it was good. I mean, like, I mean, like that, uh, that's interesting because it was the same with – I feel like the Gold Coast-Queensland border – Mm. was stricter with New South Wales mm. than yeah. Canberra was because it's like people did live in New South Wales. Like they lived yes. just off the border of New South Wales and they worked in the Gold Coast or they worked yes. in Queensland. It's a very common thing, especially now that when housing prices are so expensive, people mm. are opting to live sort of outside the city and commute. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people were experiencing that during the pandemic. It was very confusing for me. I would mm. be thinking, you know, when all the – when mask-wearing rules and – things like that were so um were a bit more amped up um i'd be like which which state am i in which state am yeah. i in today okay new south wales masks inside <laughs> yep <laughs> i got really confused because for a long time masks in new south wales no masks in act yeah and you'd have to remember where you were it was oh yeah, crazy <laughs> it's it's interesting as well because the policy around everywhere now is changing like mm, mm. it's kind of more of an optional thing to wear a mask mm-hmm. which you know Kudos if you don't want to, but um, <laughs> like it's up to you. But I, I mean, I like also in crowded centers and stuff. Mm. Um, I just feel like it's more nice because then I feel one. I feel protected myself. I can. Mm. I think it's also like something that I kind of admire the um the Chinese and the Japanese community in yep. Australia that have done for so yes, long. Yes, they have for a long, um, long time. And yeah pre-pandemic and everything and i kind of look at them and go actually you guys had it right like if yeah. you were and they do it if you're sick you wear a mask it's not if you're well they just yeah wear them it's, if it's more about 
I think I've heard this too. Um, it's more about you transmitting it to somebody else. Yeah. So it is really a a great thing to do for mm. the community because you're protecting them. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. think the same. I think now that you know, obviously, COVID has eased, but I think the the clear sign is maybe people who are ill mm. or sick with like you know yeah. a cough or something should wear a mask. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone else doesn't have to because then it's not floating around in the ether getting germs spreading. Have you ever sneezed into your mask before? Yes. Yeah. It is awful. Awful, but good, yes. but awful. Because you have to sit in it. <laughs> yes, it's just there and it doesn't go anywhere. It's just kind of drips. <laughs> it's Ugh, awful. I know. Um, it's a, it kind of the thing that I also think that the pandemic has taught me more so is just how gross our bodily fluids are. Totally gross. Um, we, because they're trapped in our masks with yeah. us. Because <laughs> you realise like if you have bad breath, you suddenly... Instantly, you know. You know you're like, I have brushed my teeth and my breath still stinks. Like, what is this? Um, or you have... Do you drink coffee in the morning? Oh, yes. Yeah, so you know that coffee breath that, you, you know, yes. sits around like two, three hours after you've had <laughs> so it? So really, mask wearing is a public service yes. in so many ways. <laughs> we should we should really do a campaign right we now. We should. <laughs> You know, yeah. Want to protect people from your bad breath? Wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like don't don't keep the community <laughs> safe. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely changed. I feel um, yep. w- when now in though in Canberra, do you feel like mm. the the worry of everything is kind of did it ever grow to a high or was it always just because COVID did enter for a while mm. and then it kind of just disappeared? Yeah, there were definitely moments of panic and well, slight panic. Panic is probably too. Um, full on a word um, but you know what I mean Th- those moments where you feel the tension yeah. rise um, and that was definitely when um, during our recent lockdown which was what mid last year I've lost yeah. track of all time um, well you you said that the moment you arrived you were like what year is what yeah <laughs> what year am I in who am I <laughs> um, what state am I in again um, yeah no I felt there was definitely tension I remember um, cause we were safe for so long and yeah. Sydney of course was going through that endless lockdown. Um, and I thought, God, I'm so lucky. <laughs> and I jinxed myself because then it came to Canberra. Um, and I was at work at the time and we were keeping track in New South Wales, by the way, I was at work in New South Wales. Yeah. Um, and we were keeping track of, um, uh, the ACT updates and then Andrew Barr came on the news and we were locking down and locking down at five and we all had to sort of rush home. And of course there was that classic thing of, I thought, oh, it'd be nice to sort of maybe have some wine or something or a few snacks when I get home. Like not planning, I was not planning on doing like a hoarding shop. I just wanted to grab a few things and get out. Couldn't even get into the supermarket in New South Wales because I guess a border community, a lot of people are locking down either because they're choosing to because they're so close to the ACT or because they live in the ACT. Yeah. So I tried to go to the supermarket and there were there was a line into the car park, wow. people filling up their trolleys with all kinds of stuff. That panic still happens. It's it's so interesting. Yeah. It's um I think it happened not that long ago, especially with like uh the new variants and stuff. And every time <laughs> this is the thing I say about um, you know, the the downside of media. Mm-hmm. which is the fear tactic. Mm-hmm. And like, um, you kind of just have to live with it now. You yeah. kind of have to just, uh, I ignore the news, which sounds like a really. No, I do too sometimes. Yeah, um, Because it's just, I don't want to hear about it always and be like, you know, and they kind of stopped. I feel like the New South Wales premiere kind of stopped with the case 
numbers. Yeah. Like he just completely was like, no, nah, this isn't something I need to worry well, about. Well, it kind of became irrelevant at some point, didn't it? Yeah. In a it way. Was, it was also interesting because he got rid of the QR codes and everything. No, nowhere in New yeah. South Wales has QR codes anymore. Like no. it just doesn't exist. We do in the ACT, but they're not compulsory. Yeah. Um, they're not. They're not even, I haven't checked in in so long mm. and it just, because half the time you get an alert anyway, like if you went to the shops, right. there was like, oh, someone might have had COVID. Okay. Keep an eye on yeah. yourself. And it's like, <laughs> cool. As long as I'm just doing the daily checks that I'm okay, then I should be fine. But it was kind of like one of the things people get in the most random spots. Like mm-hmm. everyone I know has not gotten it from big events. They've gotten it really? from small parties or stuff. I know like two mm. people have gotten it from big events. Um, there you go. That's really interesting. Mm, it's because just um, other people aren't following. Like I know some people have gotten it from film sets. Yeah. And like just COVID protocols weren't so, um, right properly done. I guess it's the length of time you're spending with people. Yeah. Um, you might be a bit more relaxed about, you know, contact and mm. um, proximity if you're sort of hanging out with friends rather than at a large event. Who knows? That's that's really interesting. The other interesting thing to me is that people are flocking back to certain things, maybe outdoor events or restaurants or mm. um, like, yeah, hospitality venues. But the theatre, it's, it's becoming quite – it's easing up a little bit. People are relaxing and coming back, but it's taken – a much longer time, much longer period of time for yeah. people to come back to the theater. Um, you know, I remember reading an article, I think it was in the age. I don't remember. Um, but it, an article about the, um, massive loss in ticket sales, yes. um, Australia wide on, on big musicals that are usually totally, you know, pretty fine sell out. Um, well, Hamilton shut for yeah. ages because mm. they would, you know, completely in lockdown in Sydney and yes, but I mean, even now, even, even now when we're back open, people are, um, and I think it's, I think it, maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's, um, yeah. a sort of fear of, uh, sitting close to people inside in a place they kind of, you know, get at. Well, they can get out. You can leave a theater if you want to. You're not trapped there, but you know what I mean? You're not supposed we to. lock the doors. <laughs> you can't leave. Making it sound like they're trapped. They're not. Um, but you know what I mean? That thing yeah. of, um, I'm not free to just come and go as I please. So it feels like you're maybe more likely to catch something or yeah. it's funny, but I, you know, I don't know anybody who's come, who thinks they might've caught it from a cinema or a theater. It's, it's also interesting because it's probably the most ventilated areas. Mm. Like, um, cause I, I worked at the CMOS center oh, for yeah, three yeah. years, mm. which I love. I love the CMOS center. Mm. It's a great little center. Um, and I remember when I worked there, it was one of those things. I was early twenties, and I thought, God, you know, like you'd sometimes go to performances which were completely full. Yes, like, they were like chockers, and even then, they weren't that bad. Like it was just easy to kind of move around. Mm-hmm. And I think also, like I know cinemas are the same thing. They they for a while were doing making sure everyone was split apart. Like they mm-hmm. had you yeah. couldn't buy seats, certain seats next to each other. Yeah, next to each other. So they put a um, perimeter in there. Mm-hmm. And now it's completely mm-hmm. opposite. Opposite where they just don't they don't worry about it. They just say no. please be careful. Yeah. Um. And you know because obviously they won't make the profit back. No. Because it's impossible. It's, yeah. Like um. I think. Every every th- I haven't been to the theater in so long, and and I'm about to go and I think see nine to five um, at the oh, Capitol, wow. which I'm very excited. That'll be about. so much fun. Um, but I mean, like, I I kind of miss that a- aspect of just going to the theater. Yeah, and 
the fact that, you know, like it's only 20 or $30 a ticket. They're not like, I think the max I've ever paid for a ticket um, in, you know, in unless it's like at the opera house or something. Yeah. And then you're going for like 150 yes. But most theatre is only like between 30 and $50. Yeah. And people just kind of don't really do that. No, the they moment. don't. They don't. Um, and look, it, it's been a, always been a struggle anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, some say the theatre is kind of slowly a dying art. I don't think I it is. I really hope not. But I don't think it is. I think it's the most, like, I feel like theatre is the best, is one of the best mediums because mm. you are seeing people in real life. Like, I think this is, they're better than film in a lot of ways. And I'm a film fanatic. Yes. Um, so it's very nice to hear you say that. You know, but um, I, you know, I know what you mean. There's something about live performance that yeah. you just that will always I think will always crave to a certain extent um but I think straight theater is becoming less and less popular unfortunately um as opposed to musical theater or yeah live music or you know um I think that is always a little bit of a struggle if it's not a really really well-known play like a Shakespeare or um, Arthur, Arthur Miller, Miller or, yeah. yeah, um, something like that, which is why those plays are done again and again and again. Yeah. And I love them; they're classics. I, I'm always going to want to see them, but um, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to get new works up on stage, mm. um, and that's why places like Griffin Theatre Company are so fantastic because mm. um, they give artists a platform um, to tell their own stories. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, I I do agree with you because I think unless it has a name attached to it as well, then no yeah. one's really going to see it. There's a trust problem, I think. Yeah, because it's like I think the the problem, yeah, the, the trust problem, and also you kind of miss out on really good, talented, up and coming stars. Yeah. Um, yeah. who are kind of breaking into the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like as an actor, you you've always had to kind of make it for yourself in that regard? Absolutely. Like you've, you've really had to push yourself. Yes, you you do. Um. Uh, one of the th- things they always warn you about in drama school, but of course you don't really understand it until you get there yourself and learn it for yourself, but you cannot wait for the phone to ring. You yeah. can't because it probably won't. <laughs> it might. And sometimes it does and that's yeah. great, but you cannot wait for the phone to ring. You have to go out and do your own thing. Yeah. And a huge um, learning curve for me when I graduated from drama school, because you know, drama school, you're doing, well, back then at Whopper, we were doing five shows a year. We were mm. what they call show fit, which I didn't, again, really didn't understand at the time, <laughs> but now I really do because I'm not very show fit because um, <laughs> we're just doing it again and again and again. Yeah. And when you get out, suddenly, well, it's real life hits you. You have to get a job, pay the bills, keep a roof over your head. Yeah. So there's a balancing act that has to go on between staying available for your art, but also keeping your job that pays the bills yeah um but you realize that you have to get it back in touch with why you want to be an artist why you want to tell stories Mm -hmm. um and that was a huge thing for me because i think i lost touch with that for quite a while just getting caught up in the superficial things like um you know maybe i have to look a certain way maybe i'll try this look or um you know maybe i have to live in this area maybe i have to meet these people and all those things come into it don't get me yeah. wrong but uh, that was all I was thinking about and I mm. and then I got to a point where I went wait why do I want to do this again mm. <laughs> why do I want to be an actor oh that's right because I love it because I love stepping into another person's shoes because I love telling stories I love being in front of an audience whatever it is I just had to get back in touch with that yeah. and actually funnily enough Canberra has been a great way um, a great way of 
for me to do that. Really? Yes, because I've been able, I've been it, I've stayed in practice. Yeah. Um, because it's a smaller town, um, it's there's a bit more opportunity just in terms of sort of independent theater. Yeah. Um, just getting up there and doing it. Um, yeah, and that's been fantastic because I do feel a little more show fit than I did before. That's <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I mean, do you do you feel like as you've gotten older as well that your skill set has refined in what you know you're like obviously expanded, but also yeah. you've refined it a little bit in what you know what you're really good at and what you're sort of less good at. Oh, that's a good question. It those thoughts come and go in it's sort of like in cycles I think because <laughs> a lot of it is to do with you know for example I I, I started doing rehearsing for Year in Town the musical mm-hmm. uh, last year and that has been postponed due to COVID um, so it's now on in July this year um, but while we were rehearsing for it last year I hadn't done a musical or sung in front of a crowd or an audience in a long time really so even though I know I can do it and that's a skill I have mm. at that point when we just started rehearsal, when I was auditioning for it, I was thinking, Oh my God, can I still do it? Is mm. that, am I still capable of it? Yeah, yeah, do yeah. those muscles work? Do, are my nerves going to like, you know, kill it in the moment? <laughs> you know, th- Those thoughts, they creep up on you yeah. because you're out of practice. Yeah. Um, and then of course it was fine and I could still do it, <laughs> but so it's funny because I feel like in a way I'm more confident and I'm more aware of what my skill set is, but at the same time, I'm more insecure. Really? Yes, because because I'm not doing it as often. And ah. I guess as you get older, other priorities come in and yeah. you think to yourself, okay, well, I've, you know, g- given it a good go. I've gi- I've but now I, I want to get a bit more serious and earn some more money and, you know, mm. maybe think about saving up for a house. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, like, good luck with that. But, you know, <laughs> like start thinking about those other things that you may want or may not want mm. in life. And I think, yeah, finding that balance for yourself has become it's more on my mind, mm. I suppose, and how to make it work and how to sustain, like how to make – my artistic practice sustainable yeah. in my life. Um, I think I went on from a massive tangent. No, I there, love that. <laughs> I mean, do you feel like also there was a pressure, you know, because I, I feel like there's this sometimes where you, you know, you're almost 30 mm. and then suddenly everyone kind of has its expectation of where you yep. should be yep, and, and what you do. Mm-hmm. And you kind of uh, look at other people and you think, oh, are they more successful than me? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you with that aspect of it? Oh, God, again, I go through phases. I go through phases where I compare myself to everyone and mm. feel terrible about myself. <laughs> and then I go through phases where I think, no, I'm at where I'm at and mm. that's okay. And at the end of the day, um, how do you even measure success? Like, yeah. how do you? Um, no one really can um, because it's about your own self satisfaction i suppose and and how content you are in life and um i want to be an actor because i love it yeah not because i i need to be on the main stage even though i'd like to please please hire me no <laughs> uh, no but you know what i mean i don't i i want to i just want to do it i don't yeah. actually at the end of the day where i'm doing it who no who i'm doing it with is important i have to like who i'm doing it with <laughs> but i guess 
I just want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to do it and and have fun with it. Um, and I found that in Canberra. And, you know, that probably won't be forever, but it's been yeah. such a blessing during the pandemic where so much um, shut down in some yeah. of the major cities and things were still kind of going in Canberra for a little while there um, mm. and are now. And it's fairly safe um, compared to a lot of other places. And there's a beautiful artistic community there. There really is. They're kind of hidden and people don't really know about them, but they're there and they're wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know with I know with Canberra that it, it does have that art scene. Like it's... Mm. Um, I think I like also though I I blame my cousins who are musicians, <laughs> and they took me to like the folk festival and stuff like that yeah. up in Canberra every year. Mm. Um, so things like that. There is a huge like art community up yeah. there. Um, but yeah, there's there's this kind of like I know what you mean when you sort of say like you know making it a realistic goal like mm. and and it financially stable and everything. Yeah. Um. What's do you find it hard to like when you hear a project or you like because how many projects do you do that are paid for you as a performer mm. or how many verses you are not paid? Um, well, look, I've been lucky enough to have had a decent number of ads over the past couple yeah. of years, even in the middle of the pandemic when everything was you know fairly shut down. So I, I was very lucky in that sense. Yeah. So. I, in terms of the sheer number of projects, I'd say I definitely do more unpaid than paid. Yeah. But it's balanced out a little more um, over the last couple of years. Um, but the fact of the matter is a lot of it is unpaid because, yeah. you know, these people want to put on a fantastic show and want to, um, and it's really difficult to get it off the ground. Um, yeah. And there's not enough funding in the no. arts, quite frankly. And um and so you you find yourself doing a lot of projects because you you love you love it and you you want to do it yeah. so for the love of it um and i don't mind that but it is it is interesting stepping back sometimes and going wow i do a lot of unpaid yeah. labor <laughs> yeah i do and i've chosen to do that and that's fine and i don't blame anybody they're doing their best and mm. um they there's a lot of profit share they they pay us when they can. Um, mm. I have total respect for everyone, but um, it, it is just just stepping back and looking at it, the bigger picture. Um, it's amazing that artists do so much unpaid labor compared yeah. to a lot of other industries. I think it's it, it's very hard to pay people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's one of those things because I you know especially when you're self funding projects, yes, which you know is kind of a nuts you know comprehension but a lot of people kind of go especially i'm the same boat i'm like i've mm-hmm. done more unpaid stuff than i've done yeah. paid stuff a lot of and, us have. and i feel like i got to a point where i was like well, how has this happened yeah. yeah but it is honestly because you know it doesn't matter how old you are some people just can't get all the money that you know they have to spend it somewhere if they're spending any money and it has to be in a different area mm-hmm. because they know it's going to be mm. the most beneficial like it's one of those things that I've had these conversations many a time where there, some people are like, oh, no, pay your crew, no, pay your cast. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's that divisive mm-hmm. thing all the time. And I just say, pay the people that you know will not do it, one, for free, yeah. but will 100% you know that the skill set they're bringing mm-hmm. is going to help make it good. Yeah, lift it in and, some way. Or, um, mm-hmm. The other thing is, depending on the like production, 
Like just in general, mm. depending on the quality of the production. Yeah. Because it's going to look good. If you're doing a film, it's going to sound good. Yes. Um, if you're yep. doing a play, it's going to be pretty if you spend it on the you know, the quality of production and makeup That's and everything. That's the thing. That's the thing. And those things, I guess, you can measure to some extent. Mm. You know, you can... Um, you can measure how good something looks like it's subjective to a certain extent, but yeah. you know, when the sound isn't working, mm. isn't, isn't right. You know, when the lighting isn't right. Do you necessarily know when the actor isn't right? It's a way more subjective yeah. thing. And I think it's a thing that people do kind of um, in terms of paying, do compromise on a little bit because they yeah. kind of have to um, because those other things, it's either a, you get it right or you don't get it right. Yeah. And and they kind of sell the project in a way. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of the time, you know, people can ignore, a, you know, they can, you know, they know when things like I don't have huge budgets or anything. You can mm. always tell. Mm. But I've watched things that have huge budgets and still look crap. Yes. Or sound crap. Yes. And, and that's the that's thing. true. Um, you know, it's, it's down, as you say, to the quality. But also, do you feel like you've ever been cast in something that you didn't feel right for? Ooh. Like, I think I'm lucky enough to say no. Um, I, I feel like I've been cast in things that might be out of my comfort zone a little bit or I've mm. had to. But I don't think I've ever felt like I haven't been right for it. Which is good because that would be, an, I think, a bit of a nightmare. What's what's the most challenging thing you've had to do? Well, actually, you're in town, which is coming up, is mm. going to be a bit of a challenge for me because I'm playing little Sally, who's a little girl. <laughs> right. And I am not a little girl. I'm not little. I'm quite tall. Like I'm quite. I'm curvy. I'm not a little girl. So I think just physically, it's going to be a huge challenge to do that. But it's also a comedy musical, uh. so it's you know it it makes sense so it's not something that i feel like oh that role's not right for me it's yeah, just yeah. going to be a stretch and i love that it's going to be a stretch it's going to be a challenge that's um yeah but i'm really excited about it it'll be ridiculous in the best possible way oh that's good yeah What's it? <laughs> i mean like physically that's going to be an interesting challenge because uh-huh. you are quite tall and yes I'm like- uh, hang no, on a second. Hang on, definitely not little. <laughs> the magic of theatre. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to look like the part. No, not always. Not always. No, and in a place like Canberra, that's what's so great about it as mm. well, because let's face it, there are way less. Um, uh, the number of actors is much smaller. Yeah. Much, much smaller. Um, I do have these opportunities to do a part like that. I don't really think that would happen. Yeah. To, for me here because I'm not a music theater person I'm an actor who can sing I can't really dance I give it a red hot go but it's not my you know skill yeah um so you know competing with all those amazing music theater performers here I, there's just no way I would get a part like that so I love that I'm able to to get that opportunity somewhere else yeah and I feel like musical theater is such mm. a unique mm-hmm. as um as you were saying before it is becoming the popular Medium. Yes, yeah, very but, popular. Um, it is a very unique thing because I I watched Hamilton, mm. not um like last year, and I yeah. remember watching it and going, there is no break no. in any of these songs. Like there's no. No, there's not a scene in between. It's just song it to just song. It just keeps going. And I think that kind of threw me. That really right. threw me actually because I love musicals where you have a scene in between and then mm-hmm. they break out in song when mm-hmm. it's like a p- poignant. Thing like I sure. grew up on a Rocky Horror Picture Show, so that right. was like yes. <laughs> my big first introduction to um, like musical theatre. And then I remember like they did um, carry the musical 
mm. uh, at the Seymour Centre, which mm-hmm. was a blast. Great. Really fun. I thought, God, that's weird that they've adapted this Stephen King novel into a musical. No, but it works so well, doesn't it? Do- it? it does. <laughs> it's so hilarious. But, I mean, I think with also, like, you've got classic like musicals like Hairspray and you yeah. know, and 9 to 5 and everything yeah. like that. And you couldn't exactly imagine, if you go back even further, you you wouldn't exactly imagine, like as you were saying, the straight drama, like Arthur Miller ever doing a musical. You couldn't imagine Death no. of a Salesman. The, as- I think the um, Stephen Sondheim is probably the, he. I reckon he sits between theatre and music theatre. Yeah. He's the guy who kind of, yeah, I guess, yes yeah, i guess sits between them like i said yeah. it, um it's sort of it's the closest musical theater that i've seen that that feels like straight theater to me yeah um, whereas i feel like andrew lloyd webber is mm. like i don't know i was not a fan of cats never have i saw been. it when i was a kid so uh, you know <laughs> you remember it i very... did like it because there were a bunch of dancing cats <laughs> I mean, like, I watched the movie. I don't know if you... That was bizarre. It was very long and I didn't need to see most of that. It was just a mind trip. It was insane. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how I felt. I don't know how I felt either. I'd heard so many things about it and then I sat there and watched it and was just... I think I was just baffled. Yeah. It's a very Uh, odd choice of a film. So strange. And the way they did it was so bizarre because you've got these sort of very human looking cat people who are all standing up on two legs yeah which makes sense on stage because there's that suspension of disbelief but on screen with cgi it's just like this alternate universe yeah you know it's like we're on some alien planet where cat people have taken over yeah you know it's just i I just also don't love I feel like there was also just a lot of moments where I was like, I don't love the fact that all these like A-lister stars are licking milk out of bottles <laughs> or licking themselves. <laughs> it's really not an injury. I need to say. It was like you know, Ian. They've Mc- hit rock bottom. <laughs> it was like Judy Dench and Ian McKellen in interviews, I know. and I was just like, Has your career just fallen? Like, I think they all probably. I mean, this is the thing about film that I find really interesting, and I, I wonder what it is like at that level. Um. But you have, I think, I think you, I I feel like I have less control over my performance and over the Mm. overall outcome um, in film and TV because, you know, you've got, it's such an interesting medium because you've got your actors and then you've got the the whole sort of visual technical side of it that Mm. um, is such an important part of the storytelling. Mm. Um, you've got the editor. You've got all these elements that you can't control and your performance is you don't have control as an actor over your entire journey because that's yeah. kind of shaped for you by all those other elements. Yeah. Whereas in theatre, obviously you have a lot of different influences, but you do ultimately have control over that whole journey. Yeah. Um, from beginning to end. And you do you can do it differently every night. <laughs> Do you feel like it's more terrifying for you as a performer to have less control over your performance? In, in a way. <laughs> in a way. They're both terrifying for different reasons. Mm. Um, yeah, there is something bizarre about getting onto set and because things are often obviously shot out of order as well. Yeah. Going, okay, where am I as a character now? What's happening? Where are they in their arc? 
um, mm. and trying to step into that instantly. And also you feel the pressure because time is money in film. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have to deliver it and and then deliver it again and again and again and again. Mm. Um, and it's all, I guess, so broken up in these little segments, in these little scenes. And then in theatre, of course, being in front of an audience can be terrifying, but you've worked on this entire journey for four or more weeks. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, you do because you know uh, exactly what needs to happen. Um, you feel a little bit more in control, I suppose. Um, but the or, the element of the audience is always going to change things. Mm. It's always going to throw a little spanner in the works because you'll go, oh, there's a laugh there. I didn't know that was funny. Or, you know, there are, it, it does change things. Yeah. Um, but I, in a way, for me, there is less pressure in theatre because, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like, okay, go, 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 go. <laughs> yeah. It's more, it feels like you have more time. <laughs> yeah, to process and, exactly. and, and react. I mean... Is there anything in theatre or film that you would never do as an actor? Mm. Dance. <laughs> just dance. Just don't dance. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, although I, I have and I will in Year in Town the Musical in July at Cambridge Theatre Centre. you can't say never. <laughs> no, I know, but I no, I can't say never, can I? I guess there isn't really. Mm. Apart from, I don't know, throwing my like, bungee jump on screen or I don't know I'm trying to think of like something really extreme like really and, extreme and but I don't think there is anything I wouldn't do as a performer as a performer that you know okay there are lots of things I wouldn't do because it's not appropriate but <laughs> you know like um thank god we're now um uh becoming more aware of of um bringing on board diverse performers and mm. people who should play certain roles because of course that's their lived experience but um apart from that <laughs> <laughs> anything goes anything goes maybe not the musical anything goes but <laughs> <laughs> anything goes <laughs> i love that um <laughs> I want to move us on to the topic of mental health and mm. everything. Mm -hmm. um, did Were you growing up, did you ever struggle with anything to do with mental health? Um, I struggled with a bit of anxiety. Mm. Um, nothing ever diagnosed. Um, but I remember it kind of peaked when I was probably just going through puberty. And, yeah. um, and I just remember the idea of doing year seven exams was un bearable like I just went through this phase where it, I just couldn't cope um so I've always had a little bit of anxiety um mm. but again nothing that's ever been diagnosed but it's something that I have kind of learnt to keep at bay in my own way um yeah but that's the sort of the the most I've experienced and I feel quite lucky actually <laughs> so that hasn't um like circumnavigated in performing as much have you ever had a moment where you had stage fright um it's funny I not really. You'd mm. think it would, but I guess it's my pla the place where I feel like I am in control to a certain mm. extent. Um, don't get me wrong. I've <laughs> been very, very nervous before things, especially if you feel like you're not really prepared as well as you yeah. want to be. Or um, There was actually a Suds show I did <laughs> back at Sydney Uni that... Um, you know, they're just, it was just so much work and we hadn't had enough time and uh, we had to keep a script on stage because people were forgetting their lines and wow. I was the lead. And so I felt all this pressure to keep this thing going. Um, and that caused me a lot of stress. But um, other than that, other than things that are um, 
when factors that are quite obvious that I know, I know the reason why I was anxious about that, there was a valid reason to be. Mm. Um, no, it doesn't really go into my actual work. Um, but, you know, being an artist, um, I think the closest I've come to um, feeling probably what I think would be depressed um, was when I graduated from drama school. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. It was a huge, huge shock to the system for me. Mm. Um, I, It was like I'd been speaking a certain language for three years mm. at WAPA and then I graduated and everyone's speaking another language. That's how it felt. Um, and I came out and I'm like, but I've done this and I've worked really hard. And so I, I think, you know, I should get an agent straight away. And I should, I, I think I felt like these things should happen because mm. I'd worked for them. Yeah. And that's not how it works, unfortunately. It doesn't. Um, yeah. So I think that was very depressing yeah. thing to go through. Um and trying to figure out if this was what I really wanted. And yeah. like I said before, getting back in touch with why I wanted to do it. Yeah. Because um, it's such a huge part of who I am and always has been. Um, so, yeah, a massive part of my identity. And so I think I had a bit of an identity crisis. Wow. Because how old were you at the time? Uh, 25. Yeah, that's a good that's a good age range to have. I feel like it's a good age for an identity crisis. <laughs> yeah, it's very peak. Like, yeah. Um, so I timed that really well. <laughs> You're going to skip your midlife crisis. Just have the identity <laughs> crisis early yes. on. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, like, do you have an agent now? Or mm, you... I do. Yeah. So, have, yeah. like, what was the reason? Because I know some people love being their own agent and some people mm. love having an agent. What is the advantages that you found having an agent? Well, um, because it's such a competitive business, you it's very difficult to get an audition mm. for especially for film and TV yeah. without an agent. Um, it's not impossible by any means, but it's, you know, my agent is the one who who gets me those auditions. Um, you know, I might say, oh, I've heard about this project coming up. Do you think you could try and get me in the room, mm. so to speak? It's usually online now. Um, <laughs> is this Zoom taping. call? Sometimes it is, and that's quite weird. Um, but also great because uh, being in Canberra now, I can I can audition from anywhere, which is yeah. really cool. Um, but yeah, it's my agent who gets me those opportunities. Um, and you'd have to work very very hard and be a very good networker. Really, I think I believe um, to yeah to get in the door without an agent. Yeah, mm. I mean self representation is just it's a slog. <laughs> It's a slog and sometimes you need that outside eye because mm. we are our own, um, we're our own business mm. um, and, you know, sometimes you need your agent to go, this headshot works, this doesn't, you know, and this tape is a good, because lo looking at your own stuff all the time, it's, you can't um, be objective about it. Yeah. Um, so you need that person literally outside of you. <laughs> I find to to yeah give you that guidance I suppose with like yeah I I always think that about headshots and everything mm. as well um I feel like have you ever sort of thought of, over like your showreel or you know your performances over the yeah. years where you kind of disagree with your agent or disagree yeah with sometimes me? yeah yeah that like um there are a few I I feel like headshots the rules um of headshots they used to be very strict um black and white. Um, 
you know, under lights in a studio. It, yeah. it was, um, those were the rules and sort of shoulders up. Whereas now those rules have been completely thrown out the window. Everything's in color, obviously digital. Um, a lot is shot outdoors with natural light, but, and some are done yeah. know, in a studio. Um, a lot of body is now in the shot. Um, you know, you can have hands in the photo. I don't really think that's a big deal anymore. Whereas before no hands, yeah. you know, up near your face. Um, so I think those rules have changed. And so my idea of what made a good headshot was a little, I think sometimes a little bit different to what my agent's idea of a good headshot was. Yeah. Um, but you still, you know, go with their guidance because they've been in the business for however long and they yeah. have a good understanding and, and they have that, you know, I'm just thinking about me. They're stepping back and looking at all their clients yeah. um, and, and have a much um, broader um, sense of what, what stands out and what doesn't. And I think at the end of the day, a headshot needs to stand out. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's like a show right. reel. Mm. It's like everything it needs to, to grab be you. poppy and, mm-hmm. and grab you. And I feel like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's always the thing. Um, Cause I constant, <laughs> I always <laughs> think in my um, headshots, I've always looked constantly tired. Cause I have like, <laughs> and, and it's, <laughs> Big dark circles under my eyes. Oh, so do I. Um, but one of the, one of the things that I, I, you know, I think I thought about as time has gone on is, you know, like getting proper headshots and stuff. And one mm. of my friends does amazing photography and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, just getting a nice headshot where, you know, people can clearly see your face. They know what it looks like. Everything's sort of even. You've had a good haircut, like, mm. you know. And a little bit of makeup never hurts. Never hurts. Um, you know, it never hurts anyone. No. It just really kind of gets rid of a lot of tired looks. We highly recommend <laughs> makeup here. <laughs> but I mean, like, I've met people, and I I don't know if this is like when you're not a performer or you've not been mm. used to, you know, because a lot of people who, these days I feel like anyone gets a headshot because you kind of yeah. need it. There yeah. used to be a period of time when, you know, even behind the scenes, people didn't get headshots. It was just, but now it's everyone. Everyone does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, and also, you know, we're, we're more and more visual. Yeah. I think, I think overall there's more of a need for photos, you yeah. know, of to go on social media, to, to go up on websites, to, you know, all of that. Mm. So I think in the past it wasn't, probably wasn't as necessary and now, Oh, photos and videos are everywhere. So yeah, yeah, which is everywhere. So exciting. <laughs> I mean, it's so true as well. Do you feel like um, privacy or you know, how do you keep your like life separate from socials? Or are you a very oh, that private is person? So hard now. I'm not. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a private person. Um, but now I'm in marketing and do- yeah. deal with social media for my job. It's very hard to separate myself from it. I, yeah. it's kind of almost impossible. Um, I do have my own social media. I'm not, I'm not, I don't post all the time. It's just not something that I, I think one of the struggles I've had is to think of myself as a brand. I'm not very good <laughs> at doing that. Um, some people are fantastic at it and it yeah. works for them. It's a great skill to have. I just find it really difficult. I, you know, which is why for me having an agent or somebody to kind yeah. of help me in a way with that what I suit what I don't suit what sort of headshots I need is really really useful for me um so a lot of people are very good at branding them themselves on social media mm. um which as an actor is kind of important yeah I'm not very good at it <laughs> so yeah maybe that's something I have to work on especially now I do it 
for a theatre, so you'd think I'd be able to do it for myself, but no. <laughs> yeah. I don't I mean, have that level of separation, I guess. No, because I, I mean, like, you're not the you know most common poster or, like, Instagram poster or anything like that. You're, no. You'll you'll post something when it's relevant, but yes, but that's it. That's it. Um, yeah, I that's kind of it. And it's usually to do with the show I'm doing, yeah. or maybe a, a special occasion or something. But yeah, I do not post very often at all. I forget. I forget to. <laughs> I forget to take. I forget to document my experiences. You know, some people are very very good at taking photos of their lives. I'm not very good at it. I forget. <laughs> that's okay though. I mean, like, do you feel yeah. like like you're very disconnected from technology then in a good way um yes and no you know i now have an apple watch and it buzzes every two seconds and must drive you <laughs> mental sometimes it again it just depends on the day sometimes it's very helpful if i'm working and running around and i just need to quickly see who's contacting me but um no sometimes it does drive me mental so i think i'm somewhere in between i think you know i i like technology i really do but I I don't need social media. I'm not yeah. one of those people who's addicted to it. I don't think I'd, again, it's hard to say this now that it's my job, but <laughs> I don't, just on a personal level, I don't think I'd miss it. If yeah. I, and in fact, before I got into marketing, I was thinking about just getting rid of it for a while. And um, But it's difficult with something like Facebook. Um, you know about a lot of events and, yeah. you know, it's a good networking tool and, it's, mm. it's so interesting, Facebook, as well, because I'll post personal and professional stuff on it, mm-hmm. but I do use it as a networking tool. Yeah. I use it like LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, it's just a useful... Because nine times out of ten, I use the Messenger app, which is just easy. Yeah, because they, same. It's just like easy to send. You know, And I feel like this is the thing. People swap phone numbers less because they've got Messenger. Yep. You don't yep. really need a phone number no. now that you Messenger exists. You can just stalk someone and, and, then, and, <laughs> give, and call them that way. <laughs> I don't encourage this. <laughs> Do it. I, but I mean, it, it's so, because I mean, like also the thing that scares me a little bit, but it's also so handy sometimes, is like phone now sync entirely with every app. Yes. The moment you get a number in your phone, it will sync with everything else. Yes. So if you, you know, like that's how it's so easy to find people the moment they send you their number mm-hmm. or email address, mm-hmm. you find them instantly. Yeah. Because your Facebook's like, oh, you know, this person. Yes. And it's Oh, this algorithm's Yeah. Come up. And you're like, <laughs> oh great. And and Were it's, you listening to me? <laughs> but the, do you find that a bit terrifying as well? Because have you ever sort of felt like you don't want certain people on socials to follow you? Oh, yeah. No, not so far, thank goodness. Because That's good. I guess I'm, you know, not I'm not famous enough yet to get stalkers. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not yet. Um, but you do get a lot of, sometimes a lot of people trying to make contact with you that have no idea who you are and... You get a random message from some dude and <laughs> that happens sometimes. That's a, that sounds like me. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, do you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> it's different. There was a purpose. <laughs> there was a purpose. It wasn't just like, hey, how, how are you going? <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, God. Those. You know what I mean? Like, what are you um, doing tonight? I'm yeah. Like, oh, I don't know you. <laughs> Isn't it? It's like, it's not a dating app. <laughs> No, it's not. Go on the dating apps for that. There are there are plenty of them. Yeah, <laughs> just find it strange. <laughs> they want to slide into your DMs, and you're yeah, like, yeah, isn't that a um, thing? That's a thing. Um, I I have always gotten the weirdest. Like, I think the weirdest ever person who added me on Facebook was like an actor, <laughs> and oh, I was like, course. oh, okay. <laughs> 
I feel like, we're, you know, when you're performing, you're just always a bit weird. Um, yeah, definitely. But I mean, like, they, this person would not stop messaging me with just random stuff. Oh. Like, I was like, this is fine if it's, a, you know, like, sometimes. But I was, like, talking out of the, like, random thoughts they were having. And not oh. all of them were good it's thoughts. like a stream of consciousness. Uh, yeah, and I was just like, and I think it was to the point I was like, I don't know you i've never met you no which is and we've never actually like and i was like always fine if like i've spoken to you on the phone or anything i've actually had like a verbal yeah, communication yeah. with you but i never talked to this person on the phone i'd never seen them in real life and i was like some people i, don't know I guess you. get a lot out of messaging people they've never met yeah i get nothing <laughs> from it i just i don't because i haven't had that yeah like Connection. real life connection whatever that is whether it's romantically or just platonically or whatever or just as an acquaintance i just don't and so i'm bad on the dating apps because i i just get bored <laughs> i know that's bad but because i haven't and it's like well of course you have to talk in order to meet so you know it, i'm not doing myself any favors but i just get i'm like ah, i don't know you so i don't care but i'm like tash you have to <laughs> Can I just say that is I'm glad you're so upfront about that. Though. Well, it's true. <laughs> I feel terrible. No, I'll start don't a conversation and then be like, eh. <laughs> Poor them. It's not their fault. <laughs> Sometimes it might be, but <laughs> <laughs> it depends how creepy they sound. Exactly. Um, what's the what's your go to though? If you were uh, like to meet people on the internet, what would be like? What's your sort of like Achilles heel to be a, like nice, quirky? Like, what's your go? Oh, like what am I into? Like what boxes do they need yeah. to tick? Um, look, I <laughs> given <laughs> my bad track record, my standards pretty low. Um, I've set the bar pretty low. No. Um, <laughs> no, look, I think they just need to. I'm at the point in my life where I just, I just want a partner. I just want someone who's my best friend. And oh, yeah. it sounds like I'm. If anyone's listening, <laughs> I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> um, no, you know, I just someone who's has a passion in life, someone who um, is, yeah, at that point where they're re ready to be fairly stable and <laughs> commit to something. Like, you know, I want to jet off overseas and have adventures in my life, but I also just want someone to do that with. That'd be great. Um, they have to be, yeah, they have to be nice. That's, yes. that's a huge one. I know that sounds ridiculous, but there are a lot of not very nice people yes. out there. Um and you meet them and you go, oh. Um, <laughs> That's very kind of you just go, oh. Because sometimes oh. I'm just like, no. <laughs> Hell no. Um, yeah. Look. Yeah. They just have to be a good human. Yeah. That's all I'll say. I a feel good like, human. I feel like that's, that's something as the older I get because as well, like, you know, you and I are the same age. So, it's mm. sort of like we're both at that point where mm. it's like, please settle down. But I feel like there's some people at 30 or, you know, who don't have their careers together and don't have that. No, yeah. and that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And look, I'm in the arts community. There are people, plenty of people who don't have a career or, you know, or are trying to make a career happen yeah. in the arts and that's difficult to do. And so there's no, there's not as much stability as I've now chosen to have in, in that sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm not fussed about that. It's more just like there has to be, um, they have to know what they want. I guess, <laughs> because some people just don't. And again, that's totally fine. But yeah. I think having goals and having passions is so important to me and makes a person really attractive as well. So if they kind of don't, they're like, eh. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like, oh, I don't have any aspirations. I don't nah, whatever. 
I'm just you like, know. Okay. Oh, there's a phrase that keeps popping up on the on the apps that I see. It's like, oh, it doesn't take life too seriously. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get what you're trying to say. I think you're trying to say don't try to control everything um, and have a laugh. But <laughs> also life should be taken seriously to some extent. Yes. It just comes across like, I don't really care, whatever. And I'm like, nope. Swipe left. <laughs> I, I think it's also like what I hate about dating apps is the swipe as- aspect. Because oh. I, I feel like you... you know, it's degrading. It's so degrading. Yeah. But it also, it's such a visual thing and I'm mm-hmm. just like... And it's not... Yeah, I'm not a particularly... I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. Good visuals are good visuals, but um, <laughs> that matters. But, you know, there are people who I think I'd be attracted to in real life who, you know, don't stand out to me on an yeah. app. And so I think it's very, very limited. For me. Yeah, I think I think it's also yeah, because it's it's one of those things that I think you can be charming, and like a good personality really makes someone shine. Yes. A really good personality yeah. makes someone shine. Absolutely. Because um, I've I've met people who I'm like you're not aesthetically attracted. Like I've had some friends who I'm mm. like, uh, you know. <laughs> I know you, and I think you're great, but also, like, from a distance, I wouldn't be like, wow. <laughs> Sounds really not heartless. Not any names. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> they know who they are. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I love them dearly. But, you know, it, you don't You don't often, you don't go, yes. Like, and I, and I, I feel like I always fell into that category w- when I was younger, especially when I was in my teens, because, mm. like, I don't think I think people found me more like intriguing and and energetic as I got older, and then they were like, "Oh, he's very like attractive mm. and stuff." And I was like, "Well, that's because I do things and I'm like an interesting individual." You have but passions it, and goals. Uh, I have <laughs> passions and goals, um, but I also have a partner. So good luck getting yes, around that yes, barrier. Yes. Um, I'm not on dating apps. Please don't <laughs> find me. Um, but I do like good. Yeah, God. they're awful. <laughs> they're awful. Um, but I do find like that aspect where you know people. You know, especially in the arts, because it is such a clicky mm. kind of thing. You, know, we end up dating people in the industry already. Yeah, of course, like it happens all the time. I, I know, and you know, I know probably about three people who have ended up not dating in the industry, mm. um, and I'm impressed because I'm like, how did you do it? Like, how did you meet someone outside of the field? I don't know. Um, well, the dating apps, maybe. <laughs> but even then, you sometimes fall for artists. Like, oh, I keep coming back to artists all the time. All the time. But um, they're emotionally broken people. Yep. <laughs> Who, <laughs> I'm not counting myself out of this, by the way. I am also, in some ways, emotionally <laughs> broken. <laughs> no, I think we're just... We we do tend to wear our hearts on our sleeves. And we are very... I think we can be very fragile people. Yes. Um. Which is the biggest irony, especially for a performer, because we put ourselves out there and we have to have all this confidence, right? <laughs> yeah. But then we're also just so insecure on the inside. Um, I think that's very true. What's your, what's your, what's your deep D&M times? What's your deepest insecurity? Oh, wow. Oh, I have physical insecurities. Yeah. I think um, I think it's been really, it's been difficult at times being in a business where you are looked at yeah. and judged. Let's just put that out there judged all the time for your appearance um and especially as a woman I yes i was about say, to say as a female identifying person it is very that is also particularly tough um and i'm not i'm not tiny i'm tall and like i said i'm quite a curvy person um and that hasn't if that's not popular it's not a popular look which is interesting yeah 
It yeah. makes no sense to me because oh, it's okay. just <laughs> it's just who you are. It's just any and look, bodies are bodies, right? Yeah. And I think it's it's there'll always be a fashion, and we'll always want to look at the the person with the fashionable body and and yeah. um and admire it. That's always going to be there, no matter what. It's we look at history, and that's always been the case. But people, we're we're storytellers. Um, artists are storytellers no matter what their medium is um but especially in film tv and, and theater um where we tell stories about human beings and um i think people want to see themselves reflected yeah in those stories yeah. um you know no matter who they are what they look like um what how they identify they want to see themselves up there and of course they do because that's that's the beauty of of um of human beings like we're so complicated and layered and interesting so why don't we want to see more of that yeah. up on the screen or on stage i and look it's cha- it is changing it is you see i do i know there's a bit of an eye roll there and i yeah. completely i know but it's it is slow. it is like i look back at the 2000s yeah compared to now and all those skinny white I, cis people who were mm. you know um in and look they still are there don't get me wrong <laughs> but there is more diversity that i am seeing and yes. look that's good we can do so much better <laughs> we we can and i feel yeah. like it, it, it's just also you're not glorifying um especially like uh, sexuality as much in, mm. in films there was a period of time where you had to be skinny or you had to mm-hmm. be and 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 like i just yeah, when I look at films now mm-hmm. and the portrayal of, um, you know, uh, cis women or, um, mm. you know, or um, people who don't identify as women, it's just mm. the the thing is there's more, as you say, diversity mm. and there is a little less sexualization on these people, yeah. which is good. Yes, it is good. Because for a while there, I think, especially for, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it, especially for someone with boobs, I think I'm either considered um, (laughs) – it's like the Madonna whore complex. Mm -hmm. So you're either um, an attractive, you know, a stereotypically attractive young woman, sexually desirable young woman, Mm. or you're playing the mother or the grandmother. Right. Those are – especially when you're um, a bigger bigger human being, just to take up more space and – and you don't fit into the girl next door kind of category. Mm. Um, those are kind of the roles that I've found myself, you know, auditioning for. Or, um, and I find that really interesting. We're still boxed in. Yeah. You know, and we shouldn't be. <laughs> no, it, and, it, and a film like um, you automatically made me think of um, When Harry Met Sally, mm. which is Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. Like not yeah. someone you'd think is. No. Uh, hunky, you know, leading man. No. But that film is fun. It's yes. a fun film yes. about two very dysfunctional people mm-hmm. who also happen to get along. But then you've got in the female character, mm. um, as fantastic as Meg Ryan is, but mm. she did fit the skinny blonde girl yes. next door. She did. Yeah. Um, and that's not to take away from her fantastic performance. No. And she was amazing and it worked really well. But for a long, long time, men, I feel like men have been allowed to yes, be a little more diverse. I'm not, you know, it was white. It's been white men for a long, long time. So I say that, uh, you know. With a massive grain of salt. With a massive 
rock of salt. <laughs> um, but um, there has been, you know, they've been allowed to, Billy, the Billy Crystals of the world have been allowed to be the romantic lead. Yeah. I mean, um, like, it also made me think of, you know, the pinnacle of Orange is the New Black, which mm. was a real pinnacle of changing the way mm, women were portrayed yeah, in television. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was a great show. Um, the the first few seasons, Fab, I kind of dropped off. So did I. I'll, I'll I confess. Like, but yeah. I did watch about the first three seasons. I think. Yeah. And I think also just how grimy and grotty yeah. they showed women can also oh, be. And I just fantastic. was like, yes. But there was also like a lot of um, ethnic differences. There was just yes. a lot of variety of characters. So much variety. Um, and you did kind of get this sense of, um, you know, uh, I, I know it was sent in a prison and they're kind of, glorified but you also did get the sense of you know like sexuality and everything mm, and it was mm. just a lot of topics that were thrown in the mix mm. and you kind of learned a lot about how people survive and what they do to survive yes and i think that was not as touched upon because if that was a male prison mm. it would be completely different but it would it, it, it absolutely it, would. it just you know the fact that it was just like a lot of these um women ended up um, sleeping with each other was mm. because it was just survival. It mm. was just like, mm. oh, who you were with. Mm. And sometimes they ended up falling in love with each other yeah, as well. Like absolutely. it was just like this natural um, and some of them came out and, you mm. know, like mm. there was just this expansion of storytelling mm. that I don't think has always been hit. And the, and the no, honest. Not always at all. The, the perspectives in characters. Mm. Like um, I feel like, you know, obviously if you're a person of colour, you're never mm. really in the main lead. No, I know. Um, I mean, ridiculous. It, you know, Chadwick Boseman even said that when he got mm. cast as Black Panther mm. um, and unfortunately he's passed away. Yeah. And I think, that, you know, like, but, you know, that's a predominantly mm-hmm. black f- acting film. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's only Martin Freeman in the entirety of that film who's white. Oh, mm. and Andy Serkis. Mm, and mm, true. They're, they're the only mm. two white characters in it. And How and refreshing. <laughs> like, I know the variety is so different, yeah, but so I mean. Good. I think I think you know it's better late than never because I feel like um, Disney are pushing forward with more diverse things there. Yes, but it is it is interesting because we're still at the stage in time where in certain countries they will cut out certain scenes in movies or like you know um, Shang Chi wouldn't have been shown in China because it was considered inappropriate right. even though it's about a Chinese community living in America uh, and it's just things like yeah. that or the same with um the Harry Potter film or the Fantastic mm. Beasts film that recently mm. came out and the fact that Dumbledore is gay even though I feel like J.K. Rowling is a problematic person herself oh yeah like that, that is look, a controversy that's a whole other can of worms yes but all these films I feel like we are going in the right direction but the, the eye roll is still there because it's just oh, of course th- there were so many old blockades that are still there in Absolutely. place and a lot of them are cultural a lot of them are religious mm-hmm. um blockades and unfortunately when you have governments like in mm-hmm. china mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. like in russia mm. where they are very powerful and they yeah. will tell you exactly and they censor they censor their community yeah like yeah. north korea entirely everything they propaganda yes. is censored they yes. there are apparently they have versions of television that don't exist anywhere else <gasps> that doesn't surprise uh, no. me no <laughs> and edit edit um ma- like sport matches so it looks like they won oh like, my gosh this, really yeah that's the thing wow again doesn't surprise me at all no but i've never actually heard about the sporting stuff that yeah i heard crazy. this ages ago and i was like this is fascinating that but that's so fascinating that's the level of propaganda yeah. and stuff and and spread and that's why i think art 
you know, unfiltered art is yeah. such an important thing. So important. Um, and diversity and everything. Um, and, you know, obviously we are pushing forward with it. But... Mm. Because it's meant to reflect life. Yeah, but people don't want that. For some... well, but a lot of people do. I'd say the yeah. majority actually do. But the people with the money don't. Well, the, the people with the money, I think, want to take a safe bet. Yes. And, you know, the safer bet is always to do something that's fashionable. Yeah. Because um, that's always going to be desired by everybody. Like I'm somebody who will, you know, watch. I'm. I was going to say unashamedly. No, ashamedly. I watch like the Real Housewives of Be- Beverly Hills, and then I'll also go and see, you know, um, a a circus performance by a local Canberran um about the Australian bushfires. Like I, you know, I like both things. Both things are true. Yeah. Um, but. I think it's just always safer financially to put all your eggs into the fashionable basket and go. Yeah, that's just, and that, I think that's what happens a lot in Australia um, because we don't have we don't have very much funding for these things, and we our industry is I'd say struggling, especially after the pandemic. Yeah. Um. So it's much safer to do Byron Bay's on Netflix than it is to you know fund a new film by a local writer or you know it's just yeah. that the priorities are of course different because it's just yeah i think it, i think it's also it'll be interesting because when this episode comes out it'll be after the federal election Ooh. so i know so Drum roll. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but it will really i think that this coming up up and coming federal election will really kind of change a lot mm. for australia mm-hmm. for good or worse really yeah. no there'll be um, a massive change that's for sure yeah and yeah. um I don't think, you know, th- that people should be. I think if you're going to vote, go and vote. Definitely. Like, um, and this, I feel like I've never sort of focused more on politics this and, until now. Mm. And gone, this is kind of the point where Australia needs to really make a stand on, mm. on helping mm-hmm. people and helping the community mm-hmm. more so than just letting it go and just being like, because yeah. we've had so many natural disasters. Oh my God. It's list as endless. It's like, it's almost biblical. Yeah. No. And then, <laughs> and then it's just, I, you know, my thoughts on the prime minister are just ironic. Yeah. Like the, the entirety of his, um, his run, he just, he was, he's a complete businessman. Mm-hmm. He's not a leader. Mm-hmm. He is a businessman mm-hmm. and that's what he is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about people enough. Yeah. to really warrant yeah. it. Yeah. And it shows. Yeah. It shows in every interview he's ever done, yeah. every kind of campaign he's ever done, when he goes to remote communities, how they treat him. Mm. Like it's very apparent that he is not a person that you want as a leader. Yeah. And yeah. I don't – and I'm, I, his campaign recently was like same is better. Like don't trust a government that is already mm. – and I was like, mm. well – don't trust a leader who's kind of disappeared twice with like, like circumstantial. Yeah, there's been a lot going on here, and the people have really needed a strong leader. Yeah, um, and I think that's probably something they're craving for. I and look, I don't think Anthony Albanese is the strongest leader. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably a lot of people in. Uh, and this is the thing: there are a lot of people in the Liberal and Labor government mm. who I think are much better mm-hmm. than what we currently got. Mm. But um, at the moment. I would rather Anthony Albanese over Morrison any day. It's like the lesser. What happens? It's, it's, it feels like a very. It feels like a the, lot of elections in the past. I found and maybe it's because I was young and not paying as much attention, <laughs> honestly. But it, I feel like the stakes feel so much higher this yeah. time. It's, yeah. it, it reminds me of the Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump election. Oh. 
And I was just like, okay, which one's the lesser of two oh evils at this goodness. point? Because yeah. she was not great either. She, exactly. But, you know. Oh, but, four oh. years of that. Four <laughs> years of that. Was and then, of course, the, the, the recent one with Biden as well that I felt like that. Oh, my goodness. Everyone was so tense. Yeah. Because no one the outcome went, of that. And, and I can't believe that. I cried. I yeah. watched that. Um, uh, that. What do you call it? The. Um, I've lost my words. Help I know, me the, with the, my the, words. The, the election, um, the, the it live. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know that thing know, they do where it's live and they speak to people. Yeah. Oh, the campaign. <laughs> God, you were struggling. Once, once, you live in Canberra. Once you should he'd know. won. Once he'd won. What's that called? Um, like a rally. Yes, the winning I guess rally. The winning yeah. rally. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Thank you so much for your help with that. No. Um. Yeah, the rally, and I, I cried. It was such a relief. It was yeah. such a relief that um. Yeah, that that was that period of our lives, even not living in the US, even this far away, was over. Yeah. I think it was just so, it was so unpredictable. Yeah. You know what's fascinated me, though, recently? And and I'm a big lover of Jacinda Ardern. She's mm. an amazing, amazing PM. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but also in Scotland, the, how, like, um, for women, the, the everything in sort of sanitary pro- um, products and everything are free. And oh, they're covered so by... Good. The public tax system. Oh, so good. Why is that not exist in Australia? Because here it's a luxury item. Yes, clearly. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it luxury. It's luxury to be able to contain your menstrual blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't. I didn't know. Like, it baffles me. And I have this conversation so often with Emily, and and she just goes, "Yeah, isn't it great being a woman?" I was like, "Look, it's a lot of the time not fun." <laughs> No, <laughs> won't lie, um, and things like that just make you go, "What? Yeah, what? And is that you know, is that just because genuinely, just because it's not a priority, or you know, in the minds of the of our leaders, or or is it is it gendered? Is it because you know, if if we did have a woman in power, would that become a priority? I'm not sure. Well, I mean, it's also like the the um, as Emily pointed out, we went to the same hairdressers, hmm. and she was charged fifty dollars for her hair. I was charged 30. Yeah. The female tax. It's uh, like... Yes. And it's like, why? Because my hair's longer? Does it take longer? Yeah. I don't know. Does it? No. When you think about men getting their hair buzzed and cut and... You know, yeah, it's funny. It's it's baffling to me that there is is a complete... And, you know, this is the thing, because I've had this conversation with my mom. Mm. The pay discrepancies still exist. People who tell me go, oh, you know... No, the pay discrepancy doesn't exist. I'm like, no, it still does. Mm. If you're a woman, you are paid like mildly less mm, or mm. significantly mm-hmm, less. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. Because, yeah, just... Absolutely it is. <laughs> like, and still as performers, if you were in a lead role in a show or anything, yeah, and it was originally like, um, you know, and it, the male lead was a secondary character, they would still be paid either the same as you, but you would not be paid that much more. Yeah, it's it's fascinating and I think it's 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 becoming trickier in a way to try and resolve it because I think a lot of these problems are now coming from, you know, the fact that women um they can and do give birth to children and look after those children and are often yeah. the people who stay at home and and have that gap in their careers and so they don't progress as further yeah. as men and so there's all these issues that um are happening you know, outside of the workplace that affects yeah. the the pay gap as well. Um, you know, a lot of the arts is, it's very female dominated. 
Yeah. I find in, just in my day to day, I don't know stats on that, but um, I work with a lot of women and that's fantastic. But, you know, obviously the arts is funded, you know, it's not as well funded. So we don't get paid as much as somebody might in finance, you know, if yeah. working for a bank or um, it's just interesting, like those kinds of those kinds of problems yeah um how do we like that's a long game i think it's a yeah paternity leave is a great start <laughs> paternity leave um yes and i do know some of my co-workers who are about to go on paternity leave mm. which um he is very excited about yeah why um, wouldn't you be <laughs> but i mean like also one of the things that i i think uh, one of my co-workers years ago took a year off mm. to look after his son mm. um, and help his wife. And yeah, it's great. Just, you know, the fact that we can start doing that. It's so good. It's so good. And that will help things. Yeah. You know, and th- because the expectation won't be, oh, okay, you're pregnant, therefore, you know, um, we won't hire you because, you know, as opposed to the man who might be having a baby. It, it yeah. becomes a bit... It just becomes a bit more equal, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it's like, and and you know, obviously allows everyone to kind of be like, oh, I do want to take a year off and look after my child and yes, not miss the best. Yes, it gives men that chance. I mean, you yeah. know, maybe in the past there have been some men out there who've gone, I really want to look after my kid, but it's not really the done thing, so I guess I won't do it. You know, it goes both ways. Yeah, like, but but it also gives them an opportunity. <laughs> but it also just kind of baffles me because if you if you're like a a gay couple or anything as well, mm. like, and you're two women, and mm. the fact of like one of you, you know, it's like, well, you're not pregnant. I was like, yeah, but I also want to take paternity leave as well because I yeah. want to be there for my kid. Of course, you know, when my partner gives birth. It's of like, course, the, those are the things that people. You know, we need to get a societal yep. head wrapped round. That there are no roles. No. There just aren't. No. It's like who wears the pants in the family. It's like you both do. Like yeah, you just I everyone to be mean. Like I know it was <laughs> everyone such, wears pants now. <laughs> I know. And it was like one of one of the kudos to one of my ex coworkers and I loved him to bits, but he was like he was that kind of he wanted to be a stay at home dad. Yeah. He ended great. up being it. He loves it. Great. And his wife is a director and she works all the time. Cool. And I could not be happier for either yeah, of them. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, but, you know, they used to tease him at work being like, oh, he's the, you know, he's the <sighs> one who wears the skirt in the God, family. And what stuff. century are we and I'm in? Like, Hang on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's it's so baffling that, that, you know, people just put that societal pressure on. It's like, what? It, is, it is baffling, isn't it? Yeah. It's like I know so many, so many men who love looking after kids. And it's the best thing. And in the there's world. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. That's That's wonderful. Yeah. And it's wonderful for women. Like, yeah. thank you, men, for for admitting that you want to do that and potentially giving a woman a chance to go to work if that's what she wants to do. Yeah. Um. Like, just the fact that we can go. No, it doesn't matter what gender I am. I. This is what I want. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. I and t- hopefully that becomes more and more common. I hope so. I really yes. do. Same. Um. I think this is a perfect point to wrap us up. Uh-huh. I've just really enjoyed chatting with you. It's been Me an absolute. Too. Absolute pleasure. Hasn't felt like a podcast at all. It just felt like a nice conversation. Well, that's good. That's <laughs> the way I like to kind of like have it roll. Yes, it's great. Um, so, Tash, where can people find you on the internet? Where can they stalk you? Oh, my goodness. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> um, Natasha Vickery. So, on Instagram, I'm just Natasha Vickery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm the same. That's where they can stalk me if they so choose. And, and if you want to go and stalk her in Canberra. Oh, in Canberra, well, you, I live in Braddon. Maybe don't, don't come don't, to don't. my house. I'm into your theatre, <laughs> not your house. No. Um, so uh, the show I'm doing soon is called Three Tall Women. 
Um, and actually my mum is in it with me. Wow. Yeah, my mum who's also an actor. Um, Karen Vickery. Um, so, yeah, it's a family affair. Um, <laughs> it's an Edward Orby play, yep. uh, Three Tall Women, and it's happening at uh, the ACT Hub or the ACT Hub, which is a brand new independent theatre venue uh, in Kingston in the old Causeway Hall. Um, and that's happening 4th to the 21st of May. If anyone wow. wants to come along, you can just go to acthub.com.au for tickets. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. It's really exciting. Um, it's the first show of the brand new season. Um, and yeah, it, Canberra hasn't really had, um, there's a lot going on all the time, but they've never had an independent theatre venue before. Yeah. They have different venues, but not in, in this in this way, in, in the independent yeah, um, yeah, yeah. world. Um, so it's really exciting. Yeah, I can't wait to, to go and see that. Oh, please come if you I can. Will. I, I'll try and come because I want to go and see your mum and you act. Right? Yeah, I know that's <laughs> the family affair is really the family affair, like yeah. sold me on. That. Uh, yeah, yeah. We should. I think we should um, rename uh, it use as the that as, as one of the like marketing slogans. <laughs> yes, do it. Um, and if you want to go and check out more episodes of the things we do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week, and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Bye.